Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 345 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I'm coming to you with an appropriately timed episode because it's something I've been getting a lot of questions of lately as sickness has been flying around from the flu to COVID to all sorts of upper respiratory infections that people are coming across. And so I'm getting a lot of questions about how do I manage training through sickness and how do I come back from being sick? So we're going to talk about that in this episode and what should be a relatively short and sweet episode as I give you five things to consider, five steps to take when you're sick and then how you build back through that. So we'll talk about that in this episode. Before we get started, a couple of quick things to talk about. First of all, I wanted to acknowledge that it's been a couple of weeks since I posted my last episode. My apologies for that. I've had another death close to me, and so that's kind of taken away my time a bit from being able to create content. My father-in-law passed away on February 4th after a six-month period of being treated for leukemia. Ultimately, his leukemia treatment was working, but he died from complications from the treatment Fortunately, he died peacefully in his sleep about midnight on February 4th, and he was surrounded that entire day and week by by all of us, by, by his loved ones, his kids, his brothers and sisters, his wife, and his grandchildren. And so that was, while very, very difficult, it was a peaceful ending to his journey at 75 years old. And I just wanted to quickly let you guys know about that. One thing that I've learned in losing a bunch of people close to me through the years is that at least it's helpful for me to talk about them and what makes them powerful influences in my life to help manage and cope with the loss and hopefully pay it forward with passing on some of their characteristics. I talked about that with Larry Bright, one of our coaches who we lost in the fall And I want to talk about that a little bit with my father-in-law as I open this episode. So bear with me for a moment while I, while I talk about him, my wife and I started dating when we were in college, we were 19 years old. So I've been with her in some form for about 25 years now, almost 25 years now. And that was obviously the first time that I met her parents and I've always had a good relationship with them. And I've been lucky in that sense where I've had good in-law relationships. And I know that's not true for everybody. But the things that struck me about my relationship with my father-in-law is that he always welcomed me in and treated me like family, even though I wasn't blood. But he didn't try to parent me, which I think is maybe a weird thing to say. But I I had parents. He didn't try to impose his parenting on me. He treated me more like an equal in a sense but someone that he loved as family. And that was always really cool to me. You know, I had, I had, I had a father, I didn't need another father. And so it was more of a peer like relationship that I had with my father-in-law. And while of course, obviously he was older and I respected, you know, the wisdom that he brought to the equation, but he didn't try to impose anything on me, which is something I always felt was a pretty cool way to approach your son-in-law. And the other thing, or a couple of other things that I'll mention is that I was always appreciative of the fact that even as someone who you know was advancing in age, he always was open-minded and had an absolute respect for people and new ideas. 
He would meet people where they are. He would listen to them. He would try to understand them. He wouldn't impose his beliefs on anyone. And he was always, always seeking new knowledge, new information, new ideas. And that was something that we shared in common where he would always send me articles or bring stuff, magazines to me and things that I needed to read. And across a whole bunch of topics. I mean, he was very eclectic in his interests from a knowledge and learning perspective, which was really, really cool. And so I'm going to miss those things. Obviously, he was a great father as well to my wife, Amy, a great grandfather, really invested in our three kids to spend time with them, show them love, to help take care of them when we were traveling and things like that, along with my mother-in-law, who is still with us. And so he was just a good dad and a good father-in-law, good grandfather to my kids. And he will absolutely be missed. So we've been, we've been processing that as a family. And one of that was one of the reasons why I missed last week's episode. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and also share a little bit about him to hopefully pay it forward. Some of the things, some of the cool characteristics that I got to experience with him over the 25 years of knowing him. As I said, he will absolutely be missed. Switching gears, I also wanted to acknowledge my sponsors for this episode. John G. Running Apparel, BetterHelp, the largest online therapy provider, as well as Care Of, the vitamin and supplement company that I've been working with for multiple years now. They're all sponsoring this episode. Thanks to them for supporting me. And we're going to be jumping in with offer codes for each of those as we progress through the episode. So with that, let's talk about training through sickness, what to do, how to manage it all. And again, I've got five things to think about as you manage it. But before we get there, of course, I want to set some context and also give you some thoughts on how do you know if you're sick or if you should be making modifications because of being sick. And for that, I'll start by saying that this is an area where I feel like I've definitely evolved my approach to training through sickness over the years. One of the things I've realized as a coach is that it's even more important to be conservative with your training while being sick than perhaps I've always realized and acted upon or even advised my athletes. And as I progress in my age. And as I progress in my knowledge in this area, I think it's actually even more important to be conservative when it comes to training through sickness than perhaps I would have considered previously. And so in all of this, I want you to be thinking about generally erring on the conservative side of all of your decisions once you feel like that sickness is coming on. Because you can't get fitter while training through sickness. Now we're always thinking about, well, I have to hold on to my fitness or I have to not miss a workout so that I don't lose something. But what happens when you train through sickness is one, you're not getting the benefits of that work because you can't absorb training and assimilate that fitness, much less recover from it if you're sick. Also, you could potentially dig a deeper hole for yourself and extend the sickness so that you're not able to bounce back as quickly because you're jumping back into things or trying to stubbornly continue training through sickness without backing off. So it's absolutely critical to generally take conservative and make conservative choices 
once that sickness settles in, and I'll give you here in a second a few things to consider that are indicators for what would be a reason not to actually do a workout. Because again, you can't absorb the fitness when you're sick and you can dig a deeper hole and extend the, the sickness so that then it takes longer to actually build back. Those are the, the two main reasons for being conservative. And I know everybody's sitting there thinking again about, well, if I don't do this, then I'll miss out or I will not be able to get in the work that I need to do. But what you should be thinking about instead is how do I back off so that I can recover as quickly as I can so that I can then get back to productive work. You want to try to shorten the window of being impacted by that sickness. And to do so, you need to back off significantly during that window of time in order to build back and bounce back from whatever you might be facing. It's absolutely critical. So instead of thinking that you're losing something by not doing workouts during sickness, instead think about you're gaining the opportunity to recover and bounce back more quickly. So that's one critical perspective to carry into any sickness is that it's actually about getting healthy as quickly as possible so that you can bounce back quickly versus being stubborn, continuing to train and therefore digging a deeper hole that's going to cause that sickness to linger. So make sure your mindset is right. And then once you're in that window of being sick, then it's about actually taking the the steps to get healthy. That becomes your only focus. Take the steps to get healthy so that when you are healthy again, you can resume training safely. And that's really hard because you're going to have to go off script You know, all of us want to be able to blindly follow the training schedule that we have or follow the routine that we have. But when you're sick, similar to when you're injured, you instead have to go to a day-by-day approach and ask yourself, based on what you've learned and how you're feeling, what should I be doing each day in order to take that next right step? And it might be completely staying off for several days before you actually resume, but you have to take it day by day. And then once it's passed, then you can start thinking about rebuilding. And we'll talk about what it looks like and how you can rebuild depending on the time off as we progress through this episode. So that's the first bit of context setting that I wanted to put out there. The second bit of context setting I want to put out there is how do you know? Obviously, there are symptoms that you can have that would indicate that you're sick and I'm going to talk about some that are actually leading indicators, especially if you have one of these tracking rings or bands that many people are using these days. There can be some leading indicators that are indicating that you're getting sick before you even have symptoms. And so there are some things from a baseline data perspective that I'll talk about. But how do you know when you're too sick to train is sort of the second question that we ask ourselves here. And this one is tricky, and I used to, I think, answer this question more vaguely. You know, I would say, for example, that the only hard and fast rule on training while sick is don't run with a fever, which is absolutely still a hard and fast rule. If you have a fever, really of any kind, you know, even 99.0, which would be considered a low-grade fever by most people, don't go training. Regardless of what your fever is, do not train through fever. And that also includes if you have to take Advil or Tylenol or some other fever reducer, don't train 
through that either. Just because you can take a pill and have the fever drop back to normal doesn't mean you can go run. If you have any fever at all, even one even one that's managed back to normal by taking medication, that's a sign that you shouldn't be training. So that used to be the only hard and fast rule that I would put out there. But I think there are others now, especially in this this day and age of more advanced tracking data. And this is something that I don't think you necessarily have to have an aura ring or a whoop band to track. You could also just simply use resting heart rate as an indicator. But another thing to look at, and again, this these these elements now we're talking about could be leading indicators that could be showing up as an issue before you even have some of the symptoms, whether that be fever, congestion, or body aches, whatever it may be. And so some data indicators are if your resting heart rate is more than 10 beats above your average, especially your overnight resting heart rate or your your resting heart rate first thing in the morning, then that's a sign that you're either getting sick or are still sick if that resting heart rate is elevated by 10 beats or more. And again, that's a rule of thumb. I think in general, when we're in heavy training, we will tend to see that our resting heart rate after a long run day or a workout day might be five beats higher than normal, but it could be a little bit more than that. But as it starts to get to 10 beats and beyond, then that's an indicator that either you're about to start fighting something or you're already fighting something or you're still recovering from something. So that's a rule of thumb that you can use to say, all right, if my resting heart rate's still elevated by 10 beats per minute, then I'm not training. Now, of course, that's a rule of thumb. And if it's still, if it's like elevated by seven or eight, then you have to ask yourself, it's a gray area, but you have to ask yourself, how am I feeling? Is this a day where I should be pushing it or not? And I think that's a legitimate question. And I would encourage you to trust your intuition on that. Again, erring on the conservative side, if you have a elevated heart rate in any form. So that's another indicator, resting heart rate. And by the way, if you don't have an aura or whoop band, you can actually get an app from your phone. You can calculate it through your finger using the lens on your camera and it'll actually calculate it for you. If you don't want to do the old fashioned finger on the neck manual method, you can wake up, do that first thing, check it, and that'll be a good indicator of whether or not you're ready to train that day. Another indicator will be heart rate variability. Again, heart rate variability is an advanced data tool that we've really only seen ubiquitously available over the last five years or so. It's a way to measure the variability in the gaps between your heart rates. And when you have a high heart rate variability, that's a sign that you're relaxed and calm and de-stressed and the body's chilling because it's kind of beating here and there when it wants to. When your heart rate variability is very narrow in its range and lower on the scale, then that's a sign that your heart rate is very is, is beating consistently at the same time with little variance between heart rates. And therefore, it is on and ready to fight something. That flight or fight mechanism has been activated, and that happens when you get sick. So if your HRV is 50% below the normal baseline, waking up or overnight HRV, then that's a sign also that you're either about to fight something or you're still fighting something. And so you want to see that HRV be elevated at least to the point of it being 75% of normal before you consider resuming training. 
So if it's 50% of normal, that's a red flag. That's a time for sure or less that you should be backing off and, and avoiding training at that level. So heart rate, HRV, fever, obviously, those are three hard data points that you can use to determine whether or not you decided to take action or, or work out on a given day. The other variable is more amorphous. It's, it's simply how are you feeling? If you have symptoms that are such that you just don't feel great and you just have that general malaise, fatigue, symptoms that aren't making it comfortable to run, whatever that may be, even if your, your data points are looking normal-ish or maybe even if they're just slightly elevated, then you still have to ask yourself, based on the symptoms, do I feel good enough to train? And then it becomes a judgment call. And I would encourage you, if you're on the edge and you're not sure, then you should avoid, still avoid training. You want to be out there training when you feel up for it, not forcing it through a sickness, especially as you're managing the symptoms through the middle of it. So that's another element to consider here is when should I be thinking about skipping training because of being sick? When you have a fever, when your heart rate, your resting heart rate is more than 10 beats higher than normal, when your HRV is 50% of normal or less. And of course, when you just don't feel good and your intuition is telling you, hey, maybe I should take the day off. And as I mentioned, you have to reframe that mindset. By taking the day off, you are gaining in your ability to recover and bounce back more quickly rather than losing the opportunity to get fit. You're gaining in your ability to recover and get fit down the road and maintain fitness down the road versus the natural mindset we go to that you're somehow losing something losing something or getting behind. Okay, so that's the context setting. Really important to reframe how you think about getting sick and managing through it. And then also it's really important to understand what data you should be looking at to make those decisions so that you're not just doing it subjectively. Okay, before I jump into my five things, for managing sickness and bouncing back from it, I want to quickly talk about my sponsorship with Run Jonji. Jonji Running Apparel. They are my favorite running apparel company. You'll see me wearing them every time I'm out for the run. I especially love their trail half tights, but through the winter, I've been loving all of their merino gear. I also went skiing earlier in the ski season and was able to wear some of their merino long sleeve pieces under my ski jacket to stay warm. Great for running, great for a lot of things. And they also support great causes. They promote and advocate for cultures all around the world. And they also give 2% of all revenue back to support water projects all around the world to get more people with clean water. And that's obviously a cause that everybody can get excited about. So I want you to go to their site, runjanji.com, check out their stuff and buy it. You can use my code ROGUE, R-O-G-U-E, for 10% off that code right now is unlimited and will last for however long you do it. So it's not just your first purchase. You can buy some gear now, some gear, some gear later. Use that same code. Again, that's code ROGUE, R-O-G-U-E, for 10% off. Go check it out. Okay, let's jump into the five things you should be thinking about in managing and bouncing back from sickness. The first is simple. You got to take a break. You should not be training through being sick, period, the end, full stop. 
as I already mentioned, if you train through being sick, then it will not only not give you the benefits of that work, but it'll also extend the time that you're sick because you're not allowing your body to focus its resources on recovery. Because you th- because think about it. When you're sick, your body is hyper-focused and your immune system, they're hyper-focused on attacking whatever foreign bacteria or virus is getting you down. So it's sending all of its resources, all of the building blocks that you would normally put towards recovering from work and rebuilding the body from workouts. It's putting those things towards dealing with the invasion of a bacteria or virus that's making you sick. And you don't want to compromise your body's resources from being able to win that immune battle. Therefore, when you're sick, you should be taking off completely. And as I said, sickness here in this case is defined by having a fever, having a resting heart rate of at least 10 beats or more above your normal, HRV 50% or lower, or generally just having symptoms that make you feel terrible. And that can come in a lot of forms, obviously. But I just want you to take the time off and instead reallocate your energy into everything that would be about recovery. Just like you would recover after a long run or a workout, I want you to be thinking about applying those same concepts to recovering from being sick. And the number one thing you can do instead of doing the workout that you had planned or doing the run that you had planned is to sleep. Sleep is your number one recovery tool, full stop. That's true whether you're recovering from a workout, a long run, or whether you're recovering from an illness. So invest that extra time that you've gained by not doing your run or workout and invest it in sleep instead. So that's principle number one here. Take the break. It is absolutely critical when you're sick. Number two, hydrate and fuel well. Hydrate and fuel well. Just like I mentioned, it's important to give your body the tools it needs to deal with the invasion on your immune system. And a part of that is taking a break from running. But another part is then fueling and hydrating so that your body has the building blocks that it needs to rebuild itself, to fight the fight and get back to full strength. That means hydrating well, So you give your body the water it needs to put to work to fight the infection and then also eating well so that you can do two things. One, reduce inflammation. You shouldn't be eating crap while you're sick because that will only cause inflammation that then your body will have to fight in addition to the illness. And two, by fueling well, you'll give your body the building blocks, the proteins, the fats, the carbohydrates that it needs to actually fuel its attempt to fight the illness, to build immune cells, for example. So you want to put that body to work by giving it the raw materials that it needs to fight the fight. And I recognize that when you're sick, your appetite may dissipate. You may not feel like eating. And that's okay. If quantity is a little bit reduced, I totally understand. But just simply make sure you're getting some food intake and that what you are taking in 
is good, clean foods that aren't going to cause inflammation, that are going to give your body the building blocks that it needs. So well-balanced meals that are whole foods that are not processed food because those are the things that won't help you and they'll cause inflammation that'll only make it more challenging to deal with getting over whatever you're facing. So number two, absolutely critical, hydrate well, fuel well, just like you would after a long run or a workout. The principles of recovery aren't that different in terms of giving your body the tools that it needs. So that's number two. You can't run, but you can hydrate well and you can fuel well. And as I already mentioned, you can sleep well. Before I get to number three, I want to talk about my sponsorship with BetterHelp. They're the largest online therapy provider, and they are there to help you deal with whatever you might be facing around mental health. It could be as tragic as losing someone close to you as I just lost my father-in-law. It could also be a smaller thing, helping with parenting, learning to deal with fears that you might face in your life, getting tips on managing elements around a certain relationship in your life. There's a huge range of topics where you might benefit from therapy, and I would encourage you to think about that broadly. It's something that I've used to process close deaths in my life. I've also used it to help with parenting and generally to give myself better tools at managing relationships. And the nice thing about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online and you can schedule it so easily because you can do it from the comfort of your own home or wherever might be convenient to you. So I would encourage you to go check out their site. You fill out a brief questionnaire to indicate what you might be looking for in a therapist. They match you to a therapist, which by the way, you can change at any time if it's not working out for you. And then you set up that first session and you go from there. It's Valentine's this week. And that means for a lot of us that we're thinking about partnerships, but I really want you to be thinking about yourself and some self-love in this Valentine's week. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash running rogue today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash running rogue for 10% off that first month with them. Go check it out. Okay, let's get to number three on my list of managing sickness. The third thing here is that I want you to, as you feel up for it, walk and move in very gentle ways. I'm not talking about anything that would elevate your heart rate in any way. I'm talking about very casual, perhaps walk the dog type pace efforts. But I do think it's helpful to move the body very, very, very gently Get outside, get fresh air so that you not only deal with some of that boredom that you might be facing, but also help reframe the mind versus being stuck and locked in a dark room watching TV all the time. Get outside. Nature can be healing. Do some very, very gentle walks when you fill up for it. Move in very gentle ways, which would be inclusive of doing some gentle mobility things inside your house. Maybe some very simple yoga type meditative movements that you may have learned. Mobilize the hips, the ankles, the joints. Shouldn't do anything that elevates heart rate in any way, but I do think it's helpful to get that blood flowing just a little bit. 
so that when you come back to running, it's not a big shock to the system. So move in very gentle ways, underscore gentle. Should not be anything that elevates the heart rate. Should not be anything that looks even remotely like exercise. I'm talking about very casual stroll type walks. If you're up for it to get outside. And I'm talking about very, very gentle mobility type work. That could be dynamic stretching. Could be basic yoga moves. Could be mobility things that you've learned through the years via a physical therapist. But none of it should be taxing in any way. It's just allowing you to get up to move to hopefully reframe the mind more positively and also to create some very gentle blood flow so that when you get back to your routine with the running, it's not such a shock. So very, very gentle movement is absolutely key. Gentle movement number three. Number four, I want you to very carefully watch your heart rate in coming back to training. And as we talk about that, First, we have to ask, well, when will I come back? Well, I want you to come back when those characteristics that I talked about at the beginning for not working out or not running are no longer true. So you shouldn't have a fever. You also, your resting heart rate should be back within five beats or so of your normal. Your HRV should be back within 75% or so of normal. And you should feel up for it. On the subjective grayscale, you should feel up for it. You should have that urge to go run. When we're sick, oftentimes we don't want to run at all. We can't even think about running. We're probably thinking, I don't know when I'll ever feel normal again. Those are the things you're thinking when you're sick. But at some point that turns and you start to get that urge to get out there again. And so when all of those things are true, then it's time to resume training. But when you do so... You want to be very, very careful in watching your heart rate. And I'll talk here in a second about what coming back to training might look like and how you might ramp up, but you have to be very critical to keep that heart rate low, especially when resuming, because you want to avoid heart rate spikes, which would only cause the process to slow down of you being able to return to normal activity, especially if you have something that might be upper respiratory or that might be COVID or the flu. COVID, I think, is a particularly interesting case. One thing that I advise there is that even once those four things are true, if you've had COVID, I would consider giving yourself three more days off before resuming training, at least, because having COVID is a different challenge. And that's really regardless of whether you're symptomatic or not, even asymptomatic or mild symptomatic, COVID can have lingering heart rate or breathing issues well past the point of symptoms. So giving your body extra time to recover from COVID, I think is particularly important. I recommend an extra three days off, even once those four categories are all looking good so that you can give your body that extra time to make sure it's okay. And interestingly, we have a pulmonologist, Jafar, who was also on episode 200 as as one of my super listeners, he's in our virtual group, The Renegades, and he has been involved with COVID research. And one of the things that they've found is that with the early strains, on average, it took about 79 days for resting heart rate to return to normal for people with COVID. Now it's less than that with these later strains, but still 
it can linger a long time versus the flu. It could only usually only last about five days on average that that resting heart rate is elevated. So you have to be really particularly careful, unfortunately, if you have COVID that you don't have lingering heart rate issues. But a part of managing that is making sure that when you resume training, that your heart rate stays low. I talked about zone one training in my last episode, even lower heart rate than zone two training. But I want to make sure that that's what you're thinking about when you're coming back from sickness, regardless of what it was. You want to stay in that zone one in those early run backs. And I'll talk about it here in a second. But I would say even in that first week, I don't want you to be doing quality workouts that are going to spike your heart rate. I want you to be thinking about easy running only as you resume training. And that will mean keeping your heart rate in that zone one space under 130 for most people, maybe even 120 for some of you, which means perhaps that when you start back and you do a kind of couple of test runs coming back, that you're doing it super easy, maybe even walk around initially. So you make sure that that heart rate stays low because if it doesn't, if you're going easy effort, but that heart rate's spiking and you know, it's spiking, not just that you're getting an anomaly on your watch. If you know it's spiking, then that's a sign that you're not quite ready to resume activity. Or if you do, you do it even easier. And so some people might need to walk even more when they start to keep that heart rate down in order to build back safely. So watch the heart rate, keep it low when you come back because you don't want to take away, again, resources from that recovery process and getting a heart rate spiking too high. And that's exactly what that's doing. Okay, that's number four. Carefully watch that heart rate in building back. Before we get to number five, let's talk about my partnership with Care Of. They've been a multi-year partner with mine. They are a health and wellness company that ships high-quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And this time we'll talk for the first time about a new way you can actually buy from Care Of versus the subscription method. But I've been a subscriber for a long time. I use it for my vitamin D, my multivitamin, my, my ashwagandha, other things that I'm using to make sure that I'm able to continue to chase my goals here in 2024. And I would encourage you to think about it that way too, especially as we're still early in this year and you can make sure you're sticking to those New Year's resolutions that you may have set in January. All you have to do to start is go to their website. You take a short, simple online quiz about your lifestyle and health goals, and they'll give you doctor-backed recommendations on what to include in your daily packs. And now, breaking news, they also have the ability to sell you those same vitamins in bottle form if you prefer that to the subscription method. So now you have two different ways to get your vitamins and supplements from Care Up. So for 50% off your first month subscription with Care Of, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code ROGUE50, that's R-O-G-U-E-5-0, for 50% off that first month at TakeCareOf.com. Go check it out. Okay, now we get to the last thing on the list, number five. Once I'm feeling better, once my stats, my heart rate, my HRV are back under control, once I've done a test run and I'm starting to feel like I can actually resume training again, then what does it look like to build back? 
in general, I want you to err on the conservative side in build, building back, but I'll give you some rules of thumb and those rules of thumb are going to depend on how many days you've been off. First of all, if it's only been two or three days, a short little blip in your training because of an illness that came and went quickly, then you can come back basically at 100%. I would do a test run to make sure the heart rate's under control, everything feels good. And then you can pretty much jump right back into training. I would be careful and cognizant that you want to be cautious around quality or speed workouts during that window. But you can essentially, after that break, jump right back in because you've had a relatively short time off. If that gap is instead closer to a week away, then we're going to want to build back with a graduated schedule. So there's where you're going to want to come back at about 75% in that first week back of your normal schedule, 75% of normal volume. I want you running your normal days, but at about 75% of normal volume, likely also during that week, skipping your speed work so you can focus on rebuilding that volume, mileage, and routine. And then in the second week back, you can be back to 100%, back to quality workouts and speed workouts without issue. If instead your break is two weeks, then what I recommend is coming back at 50% of normal in week one without speed workout, 75% of normal in week two, either without speed workout or with a significantly reduced speed work that's modified to how you're feeling. And then in week three, you can be back at 100%. So two weeks off, 50%, 75%, 100% over a three-week build-back period. And if you're out for longer than two weeks, closer to three weeks, then I would recommend that you really start from scratch and build-back training as if you were going back into a base mode. And that's an unfortunate reality, but it takes three weeks to lose fitness. And when you come back, you can't just jump back in with the the ramp schedules that we just discussed. You actually have to do it more gradually as if you were starting from scratch. So there you go. Those are the rules of thumb. If you miss two or three days, come right back at 100%. Obviously listening to your body as you go. If you miss a week, come back at 75% in the next week, 100% in week two back. If you miss two weeks, 50 percent in week one, 75 percent in week two, and then 100 percent in week three. If you miss three weeks or more, then I would highly recommend that you start from scratch and build back even more gradually. That likely also means punting on whatever A race you may have had for that season, unfortunately, but that will be better for your long-term trajectory. So there you go. Those are the five things that I recommend when dealing with and managing sickness Number one, take that full-on break once the sickness settles in. Two, hydrate and fuel well. Sleep, of course, too. Three, walk and move very gently without elevating the heart rate. Four, when you're coming back, watch the heart rate. Keep it low in those initial runs so that you can keep that under control. Number five, build back gradually depending on how much time you've taken off. And in general, through all of this, err on the conservative side because you want to make sure that you recover quickly so that you can get back to benefiting from the training as quickly as possible versus trying to stubbornly train through and therefore extending that illness even longer and compromising your future race to come. So there you go. Those are the five ways to think about managing sickness. I hope all of you are healthy for the rest of the season, but I would bookmark this episode just in case if something pops up so that you can come back to it later. 
With that, we'll wrap this episode. Thanks again to my sponsors, John G. Care-of and BetterHelp. And thanks to all of you for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, talk to you soon.